This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris Liss, the host of it, and uh, going solo today. It seems like uh, it's no big deal after doing three hours solo on XM on Sunday, and I was, I was smart to do that because um, for some reason, Peter Shanky, the Rotowire president, uh, agreed that uh, we would do um, five Sundays in the preseason um, hosting on XM. Of course, no one wants to do that on Sunday, and they're three-hour shows. We did it last year. It was like an hour. Um, but because I was willing to do it solo, I basically took two slots, right? I took my slot and the co-host slot, uh, and that was the only one I had to do, whereas the other uh, poor saps like Jeff Erickson and DVR had to do two Sundays, three hours apiece. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. Got that behind me. Um, I'm, you know, I really have been wanting to do a lot of these East Coast Offense podcasts, but I haven't been able to. I was uh, in New York for my sister's wedding, uh, which was a pretty good trip, um, well, I can't even tell this. I can't even tell this story. It's not even appropriate, even for this podcast. One day, when I have my own own podcast and I can't get you know Rotowire in trouble, um, I will tell these kind of stories. But anyway, it was good. It was a good party. It was a good wedding. It was fun. Um, but I, you know, I couldn't really do the podcast from there. And then um, I hosted like five or six shows in the last eight days on XM. So that's my excuse. But we got one now. Um, I want to just talk about something that I mentioned on XM in a segment um, a couple weeks ago. And I was thinking about that Breaking Bad scene where Walter White, you know, his wife, Skylar, is, um, and if you haven't seen it, well, it's not that, this isn't really a spoiler. Um, She's worried, you know, because he's involved with these criminal elements and she's worried about, you know, what's going to happen to their family and, you know, what if someone knocks on the door at night and, you know, and that's the end. And and Walter White replies to her, he says, no, I'm the one who knocks. I'm the guy that knocks on other people's doors. And, you know, on one level, it's kind of like, oh, that's a badass line, like, I'm the one who knocks, but... On another level, it's just kind of true, right? I mean, you, you, you involve yourself in an activity long enough, and then you become the expert, right? Somehow, imperceptibly, you go from student to teacher or novice to expert, uh, and there's no real demarcation where that happens. You know, suddenly he, he is the bad guy, and he realizes, no, I'm the bad guy. I'm the one they need to be afraid of. And of course, in the story, it bore itself out that he was the bad guy. And it reminds me, my friend used to uh, study the martial arts, the Japanese martial art Aikido, um, and he did it for a few years, and he you know, was doing all these demonstrations and competitions and whatever. And he said that um, the master of the dojo, or whatever you call it for Aikido, was, um, you know, he was probably in his 50s or 60s or whatever, and he said to them, he said, well, you know, when we were your age, um, and we had our master, and he finally retired... Um, you know, no one knew who could possibly replace him because he was such a great master. He was like a ninth degree black belt. He had, you know, knew everything, could do everything. 
Um, and then suddenly they were just up and then they were the guys. And it kind of happens like that, right? You, you think that like there's some other person out there that knows or who's the master of this. But if you do the activity long enough, you become good at it. You eventually attain some mastery of it. And then over time, then you're the guy. And I think, you know, with fantasy football, it's just totally at this, you know, it's not 2000, it's not 1995 where people are just getting into it and they're picking the players they like most or, you know, the player who made the Pro Bowl and they don't really understand fantasy scoring and, and how it works. But I think in 2015, I presume most people who read RotoWire and who listen to the XM show, the people who are our audience who might download this podcast are pretty expert at this endeavor. They've done it, some of them are new, but most of them are done it for five years, 10 years more. 15, 20 years. And, the, and and you're the one basically who knocks, right? Because there's nobody out there that's going to tell you who to pick because nobody knows. Nobody knows a goddamn thing. We know facts about the players. We know the team situations. We know the health situation. We know, you know, a bunch of facts which are public information and publicly available. And if you read RotoWire or some other good source, you will know them also. And then where are we at? We're at it's just a matter of judgment. Whose judgment's better? And why should you ever put somebody else's judgment ahead of yours if you all know the same facts? Why should somebody else's judgment, because they have a radio show, because they write for a website, even if they've won five titles in some big league, why would you put their judgment ahead of yours? It's your own life. It's your own team. As long as you're informed and experienced and have the facts, it's you who has to make the call. And and you should never substitute someone else's judgment for yours. And I remember I got into it. Uh, first with my brother, because he always takes these tips from these hedge fund guys he knows. He lives in New York. He works in real estate. He works with a lot of very rich hedge fundy types. And they always have this stock that's good and whatever. And he's lost his ass on a couple stocks. I lost my ass on one of them. The second one that he told me to buy, I bought very little amount. And it's down 75, maybe 80% now. Uh, and I don't really care. I mean, I'm not happy. I lost a thousand bucks, but it's not life changing like the other stuff. So um, I'm just glad that, that, you know, I just was thinking for myself. And obviously this week has been terrible for most investors, although today was a little bit of a bounce back. But, um, but just bottom line, I was trying to tell him, you know, look, s- stop listening to these guys. He's like, well, they know way more, you know, they're way more sad. Basically what happened is a friend of his runs this company and convinced him to invest a lot of money in it. And it seems legit, whatever, to him. And his friend seems very convincing. And, um, and then his... And, and But, you know, he doesn't know. He's not a professional investor. So these other very savvy guys also bought in. And he thinks, well, if these guys are willing to invest their own money in this company, then it must be legit because they're not easily suckered. They're not, you know, they're hard asses. They're going to want, you know, numbers and really break down everything before they put their money in. But that's five years ago. And this thing has, you know, gotten crushed. And so, you know, I just, I just like, why would you substitute your own judgment for these guys? Maybe, maybe it was his own judgment and just confirmed it. And I just feel like, that's just the case with, with fantasy sports. You know, and I'm having the best baseball year of my life. Okay. I am really knock on wood. I got five more weeks to go. It could definitely fall apart. But, and I did half the prep that I did in previous years. I just was like, screw it. I'm just going to go with what I understand about these players and my experience playing fantasy baseball over the years to figure out who's going to break out. You know, I had lots of Manny Machado, guys like that that I just knew were elite prospects who had some injuries who were back, you know, a lot of Bryce Harper, guys like that, and paid, you know, retail for them. I didn't get them at some huge discount, but just didn't care. Didn't care what people were saying. Didn't worry about the downside. Figured out what, what you know, the players that I wanted. And I think you need to have that exact same approach in, in fantasy football. And it's funny because people say, well, who do you like? You know, who should I draft? You know, where should I pick a quarterback or whatever? And you, if you want to be 
I mean, just back to investing, it's like if you wanted to be like Warren Buffett, you wouldn't buy the stocks that Warren Buffett buys, right? If you wanted to be like some other famous investor, you wouldn't buy the stocks they buy because they don't buy the stocks that someone else buys, right? So if you were to buy the stocks they like, you actually would not be like them at all. They don't do that. They do their own research, make their own calls. They know there's, they probably know a lot of the other famous, super successful investors. They don't go with tips off of those guys. They all do their own work. I mean, that's what they all have in common. They all make their own calls, right? They're not simply just, oh, I'll just do what Buffett's doing. And so that's why it's just stupid. If you want to be an excellent player, why would you do what I think or what someone else you hear thinks? You don't, you don't want the answers. I don't even want to know what those guys think. I don't want it to bias me. Usually I end up doing the opposite because I'm like, eh, that guy's probably wrong. And that's bad too, right? Because now I'm using, now what they're thinking is affecting my decision. It shouldn't affect it at all. It should just be me looking at the player, looking at what's going on, figuring out for myself, evaluating all the factors. You know, we know health, team context, role. You know, I mean, team context meaning you know, who's blocking for him, who's the quarterback, if he's a running back. You know, role, how many carries does he get? Does he get goal line carries? Does he get third down work? Does he catch passes? Um, and, uh, I said health, role, <laughs> oh, and skills, obviously. You know, is he fast? Is he, you know, good at running routes? You know, what are his skills? So there's really four things, role, team context, skills, and health. You look at those factors and you run them through your own sort of evaluation. There's no sort of easily quantifiable way to say, well, this guy's coming off sort of a hamstring injury in camp, but he's super skilled when healthy. You can't assign a number to that. That's just two factors that everybody's going to weigh a little bit differently. This guy's on a great team, but he has to share carries. This guy's on a bad team, but he's got the carries to himself. How do we weigh these things, right? Do you want Mark Ingram? Good team, share carries. Good offense, share carries. Or do you want Latavius Murray? Maybe he has the carries to himself, but he's on a bad team. That's not an easy decision. Everybody is going to weigh it a little bit differently, but the important thing is that you weigh it yourself, not based on what you heard. And it's very hard. I mean, I think a lot of people go through life and they don't even know why they believe what they believe. A lot of people, their religion is what their parents told them. The, the music they like is what they think is supposed to be cool. You know, their politics or what people around them like. I mean, I don't know how many people. Maybe that's a depressing uh, ang- you know, take on, on how people are. But at least some people are like that. I've seen people just, they don't even know why they think what they think. They just absorb the thoughts around them and then just sort of repurpose them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about not looking at what anybody thinks, it doesn't matter. You know, ADP is good to know for only one reason, and it can be a curse too. It's good to know because you don't want to take someone in round three who's going to be there in round six. You don't want to waste a pick early. But it's terrible if it prevents you from taking a guy in round three who's not going to be there on your next pick, but maybe goes 12 picks later most of the time. That's a curse because your evaluation, your aggregation of those four key factors, health, skills, role, team context, may say that this guy should go when it's your pick. And the ADP can actually screw you up. So I'm not even, you know, and I kind of know what AD, you know, what someone's ADP is just generally because, you know, the, the, ma- the market and the crowd are pretty, it's pretty readable. I mean, you, you don't know exactly. And it, when you get to pass round 10, it's such a crapshoot anyway that just take whoever you want. Don't worry about whether you think they'll be there to round 14. You just don't know. And the cost of missing a 10th rounder is not a big deal. Now, if you, you know, you don't want to take a six rounder in round two just because you think that six rounder ADP is worth a round two big. You may even be right. There's no point in doing that. Get him in round four, get him around five just to be sure, you know, round four to be sure, but don't wait, you know. So those early picks matter. Once you get past round 10, it does not matter at all. All right. That's just what I wanted to say. It was just something that occurred to me. Um, and, uh, man, I hope my brother stops listening to those dudes. That, that stock, I'm not even going to say which stock it is, but it is getting. 
absolutely crushed. I mean, worse, obviously everything's gotten crushed this last week, but um, that one was especially brutal. I'm going to be doing these things hopefully twice a week. We'll see how much uh, radio time and other stuff uh, sucks up the bandwidth here. Um, one other thing, uh, I highly recommend you check out Rotowire, rotowire.com slash pod. It's a free 10-day trial. You do not need a credit card. Um, if you actually... Um, decide you don't like the site, your subscription will just lapse naturally. You won't have to do anything. It just reminds me I have to go cancel my uh, stupid uh, go-go in-flight uh, thing I bought for the two flights. It cost me 50 bucks, and it auto-renews if I don't cancel. So I'm actually going to sign off here and uh, get on the phone with them and deal with their phone tree and uh, handle that. Anyway, again, it's rotowire.com slash pod for the real free 10-day trial, customizable stats and rankings. You can customize everything. Um, according just to your league standards, you can have half PPR, PPR, whatever. It will spit out a cheat sheet just for you. And also check out uh, the iTunes store and search for RotoWire for some very, very good uh, draft apps. They're going to kill the love of my life if I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13.